become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, August 9th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guest, Zach Gonzalez. Zach is an 18-year-old American comedian, autism activist, and best-selling award-winning author. Among other books, Zach's Saving Deets, A Family's Journey with Autism, won the Young Heroes Literary Work of the Year Award. Welcome, Zach. Hi, Terry. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Well, Zach, in the midst of an epidemic, why comedy? Well, I mean, everybody knows that comedy is the best medicine. That's number one. But I think the reason I chose to get into comedy personally is um, growing up, I always wanted to get into the entertainment industry. I always wanted to be some kind of entertainer. When you're like seven years old, you know, you only think of entertainment as either being an actor or a singer, and I was a terrible singer, so that wasn't going to happen. So I decided that um, I wanted to be an actor, and so my mom would take me on auditions and whatnot. And then eventually I had my siblings that came into the picture, and then Ethan came along, and then Ethan received his diagnosis, which um, brought me into the autism world and the activism world. So I kind of put my entertainment ambitions aside to kind of, you know, be a voice for Ethan and kind of help Ethan and be his advocate. And then eventually over the past year or so, I kind of found that when I would go out and speak to people that they kind of took more to my comedic, loose, uh, dry sense of humor more than my uh, kind of like boring lecture style. And then I kind of noticed that amongst my peers, they kind of found me funny with that, you know, kind of sarcastic, dry wit that I tend to have. And, you know, I just I, t- I decided to embrace it and become a comedian. And when I was writing my second book, Charity Bites, I decided to make it really fun and funny. And then I decided to go on tour and become a, a stand-up comedian. Okay. So it sounds as if Ethan or Dietz's uh, diagnosis came first. And then uh, what came after that uh, chronologically, comedy touring or your book, Saving Dietz? Saving Beats uh, came first. It was uh, right after Ethan was diagnosed. We kind of went to different events, and then I kind of saw that, you know, we need more events in, in you know, our community in Los Angeles. And I, I told my mom, go, why don't we do something kind of small to let, you know, everybody in our neighborhood know that 
if they have autism in their family, they're not alone. And we did the Plan for Autism uh, baseball event in 2009, and that was the first event that we ever did. And from there came Saving Beats and then my radio show. And then after that, um, over the years, I decided to get into comedy. Okay. So you wrote Saving Deets, A Family's Journey with Autism. How many brothers and sisters do you have in your family? Oh, I have a lot. I have so many. My father should have been a Mormon because I don't believe in birth control. (laughs) Um, I have Sean, Isaiah, Brianne, and Joshua on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, I have um, Ethan and Elijah Job. Okay. Yeah, a total of six. Okay. Let's go back to Ethan or Dietz. How did he start out in life? You know, I talk about it in Saving Dietz. He was this perfectly normal baby, just like every other newborn. He was perfectly fine. He was. He responded. He laughed. He, you know, gooed and God and was starting to mumble little words, and he was just, he responded so perfectly. He was just like a perfect newborn. And then what happened? And then eventually he he just he changed he it was like a light switch he just switched off and was just totally zombie like I remember um, playing with him when he was a baby and then he I would jump up and scare him or you know run up to him and he would laugh and and then eventually I remember one day being in the kitchen and he was sitting in his high chair and I ran up to him and tried to get him to laugh and play with him and he just completely ignored me he he was just totally zoned out. And I remember, I remember that day, and I remember feeling like a failure as an older brother. I felt like, you know, maybe I just I kind of lost my groove or something, or, you know, and then I kept trying, kept trying, and I noticed I wasn't really getting a reaction out of him anymore. Yeah, I remember when that kind of thing happened with my son, I, who had been a stellar learner. I thought, well, maybe I've taught him everything, you know, that uh, is able to be taught or he's able to learn up to this point. But uh, I like your description about the light switch. So how did that, that made you feel like a failure? How old were you? I was around um, when Ethan, when we first started to notice Ethan's symptoms, I was around like 9 or 10, and then he was diagnosed um, when I was 11. Mm -hmm. Okay. You talked in your book about kids who were interested in lining up cars who weren't interested in circle time at Jimbery, and my son was like that, and I just wonder how many other listeners' children were like that. But, Zach, you also talked about the screaming. How hard is it to watch your siblings suffer challenges like that? Um, it, it was definitely it was a challenge for me to have to learn how to help him overcome his challenges. You know, I talk about it in the book. I think I say it so perfectly when I say that, you know, when Ethan was born, I it was just another sibling for me, and I, I thought I knew what I was in for. And at first, I knew exactly what I was in for. And then Ethan changed. And as Ethan changed, I had to change as well and try to learn how to adapt to helping, to being his older brother and to helping him overcome those challenges. And it's hard when, you know, you kind of, have an idea what you're in for, and then all of a sudden plans change, and you have to really try to to really adjust to it. And it, it, it was definitely a challenge to see him, you know, struggling and see him suffering. And it, it really was tough. It really was. 
And I yeah. think it, it's tough for anybody. Yeah, and, you know, I think that that parents can gain insight from what you're saying because um, the, what you describe about not being prepared for for what you're in for, you know, thinking you know what you're in for when you have a sibling, just like when you're a parent who has a child, you think that child's going to be on a neurodevelopmental trajectory right. um, like the parent was when the parent was a child, you know, going to elementary school and enjoying it and all that. And likewise, the sibling thinks they know what they're in for, and then the parameters drastically change. So how did you start to try to cope with the changes? I The best way for me to kind of learn how to cope with it is to learn about it. You know, I didn't really have anybody sit me down and explain to me what autism was or what autism is. I just kind of overheard people talking about my brother having autism, and that's why he was acting so different. And so I guess the best way for me to learn about how to be his older brother was for me to actually sit down at a computer and uh, Google autism and learn as much as I can about it. And when you're 11 years old, it's really hard to understand a lot of the the terminology that comes with autism. So it, it was a challenge to learn about autism and to understand it. But after, you know, I, I began to really investigate Ethan personally and try to look at him and see what works for him versus kind of just autism in general, that's really when I began to understand him and help him on his his own personal journey. Now, do you think it would be important, Zach, for parents to educate their other the other children in the family about the changes and not hide it from them? Absolutely. But not just explain it to them, but to make them feel involved in you know, if you're going to get into the advocacy field, if you're going to get into the recovery direction, definitely make them feel a part of that. You know, if you if you just kind of let them know that they have autism but kind of leave them out of the picture, then they kind of feel left out. But if you bring them into that and you make them feel involved and make them, them feel like they're a part of that, then that's definitely going to be so much better so, for them. Some parents might feel that that would be placing an undue burden upon the other siblings. What do you think? I think it can be if you force it onto them. I think opening the door and kind of saying, um, you know, we want you to be involved. Take them to, if you're going to go to a fundraiser, make it a family day and take the whole family out and make sure you give that child that extra special attention and not just, you know, I think leaving them out is going to make them feel left out of the picture completely. But kind of make bringing them into the picture and making them feel somewhat involved in it, it can it can lead to, you know, giving them extra responsibilities if you force it onto them. But if you really make it more of their choice and if you really kind of open the door and let them kind of move into it gradually on their own, then you're not really forcing anything onto them. Okay, so aside, in addition to, I should say, including siblings gently in the experience, what are some other tips for parents with ASD kiddos to make their neurotypical children feel special, too? Definitely. Um, I remember growing up, my mom would, um, she would always tell me that there, she would set aside days when it would just be her and I, and we would go out maybe to the movies or something, and I just, I remember she promised me a lot of those days, but I never really saw a lot of those days. So I think parents have to really 
dedicate special times to just their other kids. They really, and they have to stick to that. You know, if they're going to set a day aside to take them out to the movies, then I think that they really should make sure they set a day and time aside that they can all look forward to where it's just, you know, a mommy and me day or you know, something fun that they can do with just their parents to make them feel special as well. And how did your other siblings feel and react? Well, um, the only one that was with Ethan was Elijah Job, EJ. He, it was me and EJ um, on my mom's side, so we were the only ones that were with Ethan. And so he, he was kind of like the, the, the real sibling because he was only a year apart from Ethan, and he was with Ethan every single day, and he grew up with Ethan. And so for him, it was, it was definitely a challenge because he didn't really know what it was like to have a, a typical brother around his age because I was so much older. And uh, so, but it, it, was, it was hard for him. You could see his fight for attention, his crave for attention. So I know it, it was difficult for him, but now he's kind of starting to kind of be Ethan's older brother and really starting to stick up for him and help him. And how old are the two of them now? They are 9 and 10. Okay. When we come back from break, we'll talk about acceptance with Zach Gonzalez, author of Saving Deets, The Family's Journey with Autism. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzo Medica. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Zach Gonzalez, who is the author of Saving Deets, A Family's Journey with Autism, which won the Young Heroes Literary Work of the Year Award. And Zach, what's your website? It is ZachGonzalez.com, Zach, C-K, and Gonzalez, L-E-Z. Okay, very good. Let's talk about acceptance. That is a point that you definitely bring, bring out in your book. What does acceptance mean? I think acceptance means loving them for who they are and what they are and just loving them unconditionally for that, understanding who they are and what they are and loving them for that. I think that is definitely what acceptance means to me. And is accepting mutually exclusive of embarking upon the recovery journey that many families take? I wouldn't say it is. I think definitely the two go hand in hand. If you're And if you're going to take a step further than acceptance, then recovery would absolutely be the next step. But I think that um, they don't necessarily have to go together. I think that there are a lot of people who can move into the acceptance step but not really move on to the recovery step because maybe that's not something that they personally believe and I'm not going to um, be upset with them for not believing that because I would be, you know, I wouldn't, feel right if somebody was upset with me for, you know, making, for um, going along with my family into the recovery, onto the recovery step. So I definitely think that they go hand in hand, but I wouldn't say that um, they, I wouldn't say that it's a mutually exclusive um, agreement just by accepting them that you would have to move on to the recovery. But it definitely is um, a wonderful option. Right. And, and I guess what I'm asking is if, if for example, I were um, trying to recover my child and, and have him lose his autism diagnosis, would that, do you think that would mean that I didn't accept him? No, not at all. Um, I think that accepting them, there's a fine line between wanting to change who they are and wanting them to live to their fullest potential. Um, there's Dr. Jerry Kretzenow has a wonderful example, and I really don't want to mess it up by saying it wrong, but I'm just going to try my best to explain it. And he basically says that, you know, if there's a child who has a broken arm, yeah. you know, you're going to want to fix that arm so that that child can live to his fullest potential. You're not going to want to just leave him with a broken, broken arm and just say, oh, well, I love him and I accept him, but I'm just going to leave him with the broken arm. Like, you're going to want to fix the um, the medical issues so that overall he can be everything that he can be in life. Excellent. That's that's just it. Yeah, I mean, even parents who have neurotypical kids, uh, they send them, you know, to Little League and piano lessons and want to send them to Harvard. It doesn't mean they don't accept them. It's just right. we all want to make, uh, um, we all want to help our children be the best that they can be. That's our job in life, right? And if we had a child with cancer or leukemia, we would accept them and love them and take joy in them, but we would try to remedy the cancer or the leukemia to be healthy and safe. Okay, so you talk in your book about Audi Dads. What's an Audi Dad, and why are dads so important? Um, An Audi Dad is basically a dad that's really 
involved in the autism aspect of, and the autism basically, how do I explain this? Um, basically, I guess let's just say it, dads really aren't involved as much as we would like them to be. There are a lot of dads out there that just think that coming home and giving a paycheck is all they have to do, which, you know, as you're a mother, you clearly know that there's a lot more that you can get from dads than just a paycheck. And I think that that support for the moms, that support for the siblings, and that unconditional love and support and help for the children is the most important thing, and that really is an auntie dad is someone who is a father who's really involved and who who really shows an active part in the acceptance and the recovery process. Okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but it's my impression that dads like to fix things and that yes. it, it, it can be kind of disempowering. Uh, it disempowers us. If people don't let us know that, as you said, autism is medical, and once you realize that it's medical, you realize, hey, I can fix this. Right. Dads are often quick to want to fix things. And so I think that that can be a challenge because I think dads want to automatically jump to the recovery step before they even hit the acceptance step. And that's one thing that you have to learn is the acceptance step definitely comes before the recovery step. And so dads really have to learn how to change their way of thinking and to change their philosophy in order to really make it to that full recovery. You know what, Zach? I think that's a really good point. It's, you know, I am going to accept love and take joy in my child no matter what happens. You know, first and foremost, he's, he's a child, valuable human being, and um, I, I think you're right. The acceptance step comes before the recovery step, and then you move on to that recovery journey. So at the beginning of Chapter 6 in your book, you quoted the courageous Dr. Bernadine Healy, who very sadly has just passed away. And you quoted her as saying, I think that the government or certain public officials in the government have been too quick to dismiss the concerns of these families without studying the population that got sick. I think public health officials have been too quick to dismiss the hypothesis as irrational without sufficient studies of causation. So, Zach, what hypothesis was Dr. Healy talking about, and why do you think there's an autism epidemic? I think the hypothesis that she's talking about is that these children are coming into this world genetically vulnerable, and so that when they receive these environmental assaults, they can't handle them. And it's hard for them, it's hard for the bodies to break it down, which thus results in autism. And so that's something that a lot of families believe. That's something that my family believes. And I think that um, the medical community and the pharmaceutical industry, they're very quick to dismiss that. And they're very quick to say, oh, no, you're crazy. That's, that's not possible. And they really, I think that they're really putting their money, their time, their energy, and their focus into something that they, that they believe without really taking our concerns into account as well. They just kind of think, oh, that's crazy, set us aside and, you know, focus on what they think is right, which, you know, isn't the right thing to do because if you're going to really investigate something, even though you are, you know, the person in the medical community and you think you know everything because you've read all your textbooks and you know all your terminology, 
That doesn't mean that you live with autism on a daily basis. That doesn't mean that you have a front row seat to autism. You can't just go off and make a decision like that. But they're without... quick to, to dismiss what? To dismiss what environmental insult? Um, there, there are a lot. I don't really want to get into anything okay. specific because it's really it can be a really controversial topic. But you know, such as vaccines or certain chemicals in the vaccines, such as um, mercury, which I know a lot of people say mercury has been cleared out of vaccines, which is not 100% true. But I don't want to get too deep into that. And then there are other there are other chemicals in the vaccines, such as antifreeze, um, such as aluminum. You know, just a lot of other which I want. I, I think it's crap. It's in the vaccines, and we need to take it out. And I think that's something that's definitely an environmental assault on these children, especially when we're giving them these vaccines so young. Mm-hmm. And so, speaking as a representative of the next generation of parents and workers, uh, do you feel that all doctors or arms of the mainstream medical establishment can be trusted? No. Absolutely not. I, I talk about it in the book that we can't trust all of them because, I mean, like in any industry, not everybody's there for the right reasons. Even in the charity world, which is what my second book, Charity Bites, is about, not everybody is in in it for the right reasons. And that's just that's just the truth. There are a lot of doctors out there who really don't care much about their patients. They do what they have to do just to make their money. And that's that's the sad truth, as sad as that is. That's that's the ugly reality that we have to face. We can't trust all doctors, which is why we have to be smart. We can't just go in and listen to every single thing our doctor has to say. You know, even with any type of medical pro- professional, you know, even if you're going to go to the dentist, you know, there are some dentists out there who want to give you a million different treatments because, you know, they want to make more money. I remember going to the dentist and this, I have... Um, one of my uh, one of my teeth is is kind of like crooked and it leans in a bit toward in back of my molars. And the dentist said, "Oh, well, you have to have surgery to do that. You have to have surgery to fix it." And I was just like, "Why can't you just like remove the tooth or find some other braces or something?" Like it's it's silly to have to have surgery over you know one small tooth, and that surgery was going to be like thousands of dollars. And it it was silly. And then I went to another dentist, and the other dentist was like, "No, you don't need surgery. That's that's a small little fix." You know, so we can't we can't always trust everybody because sometimes there are people that are just trying to make money. And you also, Zach, in your book, we'll just uh, close with this question before the break. You talk in your book about pharmaceutical companies. What's your viewpoint on that? Um, I think that they have something to hide. I definitely do. They, you know, like with that quote that we just spoke about earlier, um, there is something that they're hiding that they don't exactly want. To let us know that's, I think, one of the reasons why they're not investigating the vaccines a little bit more and trying to make, trying to um, look into our concerns. Mm-hmm. I definitely think there's something that they're hiding, and I definitely think that they're not exactly in it for the health of the general population as much as they are for themselves. Well, I appreciate your being frank about that, and we will take a break now. We'll be coming back with Zach Gonzalez. And thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Are you living your vital life? One that is showcasing you at your full potential? There are many issues that stand in the way of most people achieving their full potential. We will discuss these issues and how to overcome them each week on The Vital Life, Awakening Your Full Potential, with host Dr. Carolyn Coker-Ross. Living the vital life often requires that we trust our own intuitive voice and that we view illness or life challenges as calls to action to reconnect with the deeper urges of our spirit or soul. Tune in Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Zach Gonzalez, author of Saving Deets, A Family's Journey with Autism. And Zach, you also wrote a couple other books. You mentioned Charity Bites, and what's the last one? Um, The next one hasn't been released yet. It'll probably be coming out next year, but it's basically um, a a comedy memoir about all the crazy stuff that I've experienced in my life that's made me the very uh, brash person that I am today. (laughs) Okay, very good. What's it going to be called, do you know? It's going to be called Zach Bites, the untold stories of the no longer secret life of a real American teenager, which is kind of like a spoof off of the, the ABC Family hit TV show, The Secret Life of an American Teenager. Ah, okay. Well, let's now talk about how we can turn things around. Zach, how do you think that we can turn things around health-wise for children who are already affected with diagnoses of ADD, ADHD, and ASD, as well as for the coming generations as in prevention? I think that um, for the children with ADD, ADHD, and ASD, um, one of the most important things is changing their diet because the diet has a lot to do with um, is a big contributing factor to a lot of those um, conditions. You know, I think the gluten and casein-free diet is really helpful. It really helped my brother. There are other 
special diets. You know, we just have to cut out a lot of the sugars and a lot of the, the preservatives and the artificial coloring. It's just all that junk that we have in this food is just horrible, not just for these children, but for the future generations as well. I was that's, really that's impressed in your book. I was really impressed in your book about how you even covered the fact that sugar depresses the immune system. Yes. And why would you be interested in the immune system in relation to autism? Oh, Terry, are you really asking me that? (laughs) Wait, let me do it again. And why would you be interested in the immune system in relation to autism? Yep, I asked you again. (laughs) <laughs> the immune system has a lot to do with autism. I think that's something that we all know is very, very... The immune system is very important, just like we talked about earlier. Coming into this world, these children have... Um, it's very possible that these children have a weaker immune system, and that's one of the reasons that the environmental assaults have such a big impact on them resulting in autism. So definitely the immune system is something that we have to look... look um, that we have to really take care of even to this day, like with Ethan, his immune system. It's very weak. That's why a lot of these children um, get a lot of fevers and a lot of other conditions. I'm totally drawing a blank right now. It's okay. You talk in your book, too. Uh, See, I'm not drawing a blank because I read your book. So I know in your book you talk about the gastrointestinal system, too. Oh, yes, yes. And I learned all of that from the book Healing and Preventing Autism by Jenny McCarthy and Dr. Jerry. And that it, that was basically like my guide for this book and everything that I learned, everything that you ever need to know about autism was outlined perfectly in that book. So no. anything from, from the GI system to, to the immune system, all of that is what I learned from that book. Wow. And all so, that's really important. So while other folks, you know, while other people your age are, you know, off, you know, perhaps watching American Idol and, you know, Beavis and Butthead, you really were studying on that computer since you were 11 years old to help your brother. Yeah, people were trying to find, well, people were trying to find a date for prom. I was trying to find a definition for GI. Aww. (laughs) That's so sweet. (laughs) Okay, so... You also make a distinction in your book between the words recover and cure. Why do you do that? What is that? There, I think there's a big, there's a clear line in between recover and cure, and a lot of people associate them as being, you know, hand in hand. That's why a lot of people claim that Jenny McCarthy came out and said that she found a cure for autism, which, you know, if you and I know Terry is not true, there is no cure for autism. But um, I think there there is a, a definite line, and the best example that I can use is my great-grandmother. She's a very active woman. She's about 80 years old, and she still works, and she still has a job, and she's still all over the place. And, and one day she was walking home, and she tripped, and she broke her hip. And she... It, it, it took her a while to get over that, and she had to walk. She had to use a wheelchair and a cane, and um, she had to go to therapy for a while, and now she's fine. She's better. She can walk now. She hasn't been cured because her hip is never going to be the same again. So she, there's no permanent fix for that, but she did recover from it. So a cure is definitely a permanent fix. And recovery is, be- is basically getting to a stable place. Mm. 
Now let's talk about advocacy. What do you think are the most important things that people can do to help in the advocacy arena? I think the first step before even thinking about getting into the advocacy is finding something that's important to you. Like one thing that I talk about is like if somebody asked me to do a cancer benefit, I would absolutely do that without without a problem. But, you know, my heart wouldn't be in it because I don't have that front row seat to cancer the way I do to autism. So I think it's important to really find out what's important to you, what cause is important to you, where you can really put your passion and really see it grow. That's definitely the first step. And then once you know what you want to do, whether it's, you know, helping out animals or families with autism or cancer or, you know, even if it's going to an old folks' home, you know, whatever is important to you, that's really what's going to help you become an advocate. Because, I mean, if you're if you're only doing it because, you know, you're a high school kid and you need service hours, then you're really not going to care about it much. And you're really not going to give your full attention, your full passion, your effort isn't really going to be 100% there. It, it sounds like, you know, you're saying something like that, you know, the angels put us where we are needed to serve, something like that. Right. Autism aut- autism is, is in your life. You've been touched by right. autism. Right. Absolutely. I never in a million years would have thought that I would be an autism activist. You know, if we're talking about four years ago, I never thought I would be where I am today. And, you know, because autism was brought into my life. Now, you know, now I, you know, Ethan has really taught us to appreciate things in life, to appreciate the little things in life, to appreciate, you know, when he learns how to say a new word or when he he goes over a milestone. You know, it's really changed our life. It really has. And how is your brother Ethan now? He's doing a lot better. He really is. We were um, blessed with the Generation Rescue Family Grant. And he has been doing really well, really, really well. He, um, we got him on digestive enzymes and probiotics and all these different supplements, which are really important to aiding um, in the autism recovery process. And we are so blessed to have him be doing so much better now. Is there anything else from Saving Deets that we haven't covered that you'd like to mention? Um, I think we pretty much covered all the, we, we pretty much covered a good, uh, a good amount of subjects from Saving Deeds, and I think if people buy the book and read it, they get to get more in depth. Ah, a cliffhanger. Okay. Yeah. So, what are some other resources, again, your website, and where listeners can buy your books? Um, definitely a lot of, uh, great resources are, I, I, I love Enzymetica. Enzymetica is great. Um, their supplements are a part of the Generation Rescue Family Grant, so I definitely love them. Generation Rescue is probably my biggest resource, um, for the medical part of autism. They definitely have a lot of resources in Autism One, and, um, and they have a lot of links of other wonderful organizations and resources listed on my website. And so you'll I think be- You'll be speaking, too, at the National Autism Association Conference, which is yeah. November 10th through 13th in beautiful Tampa, St. Pete, Florida. What what day are you talking? What are you talking about? I will be speaking that Friday, which I believe is the 11th, and I will be talking about um, what it's like to be a sibling. So my topic is everything you've ever wanted to know about siblings. I will be talking about what it's like to be a sibling. I will be sharing tips, and I will be answering questions from parents. 
And then that evening, right after I speak, um, we're going to have a Laugh Now for Autism show at the conference. Wow! Yeah. That is way cool. Well, I will be there. I'm going to bring my book so you can autograph it. Yay. (laughs) Any other upcoming events you'd like to tell us about? Um, We are definitely going to have more of the Laugh Now for Autism shows after the Hollywood show. The Hollywood show went so well, and so now we're we're signed on for three more shows, which is a Tampa Bay show, um, Long Beach, California, and New York City, and there will be more to come. Um, So we have those shows coming up. Dates are going to be announced soon. And uh, I will be speaking with Dr. Jerry on October 2nd for the Taco Los Angeles chapter and more details about that are coming up soon. And I'm currently on my stand-up tour, so I have a lot of those comedy dates coming up as well. Um, a lot of different events that I'll be posting on my website as they come, and dates and information, all that will be posted there as well. Great. I want to know when that Long Beach uh, show is going to be. Zach, what's the most important take-home message that you'd like to leave parents, siblings, and others with? I think the most important message, which is something that, you know, I talk about in both my books and um, in everything that I do, is that people have a voice and people can use that voice to really change the world. In in elementary school, you know, I didn't do well in school. I didn't get good grades. At least I never knew what I wanted to do with my life. And I didn't think that I had a voice and I didn't think that I could make a difference. And then you know, when awesome came into my life, it totally changed everything. And if I'm able to write books and win awards for my books and, you know, become a speaker, and, I mean, now I'm speaking at the National Austin Conference, and I'm 18 years old, like, that's just, that's crazy. So if I could do so much at such a young age, then there's no reason why other people can't, you know, take little baby steps, that they can't, you know, be an advocate for something that's important to them or tr- make a difference in this world. You know, I think people need to remember that they have a voice and they can be a force of change in this world. And that's something that I think is important for anybody. Absolutely. And what would you say to other teenagers and adolescents in school situations about how to treat their peers who have an autism spectrum diagnosis? I think that's definitely something that's a challenge for them because they don't understand it. But... You know, I think that they really need to be a little more open-minded and not make fun of them, but accept them and try to get to know them because, you know, the children with special needs are still children. You know, they're still, you know, they're, even they have autism, there is still somebody inside that, that has a big, fun personality. And sometimes you just need to overcome their barriers in order to understand who they are. Mm-hmm. Well, Zach, I want to thank you for sharing your experiences as a sibling and for speaking frankly about the thoughts of the next generation of parents. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Terry. And to our listeners, again, Zach will be speaking at the National Autism Conference in November, and please visit his website for other events. Please visit www.nationalautismconference.org for the National Autism Conference um, dates and how to register. The new issue of Autism Science Digest is reaching subscribers' mailboxes and soon will be entering retail bookstores. The current issue is 144 pages packed with information on meaty biomedical topics like cerebral folate deficiency and mitochondrial issues. Please visit www.autism1.org and select the online store to subscribe.
My guest next week is nurse practitioner Wendy Nielsen on the topics of holistic health, bioidentical hormones, and essential oils. Thank you to this program's sponsor, Enzymedica, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.